1: You don't want it, you don't need it, but you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. Tommy's here. The show's presented by MyBookie today. Go to to MyBookie.ag. Use my promo code KevinDC. They'll match your first deposit halfway up to Uh, $1,000. MyBookie's got everything. Uh, They've got an online casino, Tommy. You can roll some dice. You can play some cards. um, You can play some poker if you want. Uh, they've got a horse book and plenty of sports and sports props options as well. All at mybookie.ag. You got to use my promo code Kevin DC to get your first deposit matched halfway up to a thousand dollars. You said um, before we started the show you have some announcement that you want to make today. Is it another DC Gray's announcement?
2: Yes, it is.
1: I figured it was. What's the record?
2: Well, I don't know what their record is. I, actually, I think it's one and one, mm-hmm. with one tie that has to be continued. Mm-hmm. But they're—I tell you what—you know—the uh, night I saw them play opening night, mm-hmm. they executed uh, a second base pickoff and a couple of double plays—the kind of plays you don't see for a bunch of kids that just got together like two days before.
1: But these are talented so really, players.
2: I really feel good about the team. And last night, they were losing, I think, going into extra innings. And then they wound up tying And then the game got suspended because of weather. And it's going to be replayed. So I think they're really – I think they're talented and competitive. Can, I think I got a good feeling about them.
1: Can we talk here, about that weather last night? Whoa.
2: We – I. I didn't see any of it up here in Frederick.
1: Oh, see, I was wondering if it was up where you were. That was some heavy rain. And it just seemed to be parked right over my house. I went to dinner last night. Had a, um, a late night for me when I've got work the next day. But nobody cares what time you got up, Tommy. Just like nobody care. The waiter does not care what your name is. Um, but I, the, but um, the
2: people who love you should care.
1: No. So I... Um, yes, they
2: should. The pe- your friends and your family should care.
1: I've told you before that of the three colleges my sons have attended, TCU in Fort Worth, Texas... Um, Maryland, and Penn State, that we loved TCU. That was my oldest. We got to know a lot of his friends and his friend's parents. Um, Had a lot of good trips down there over the four years, you know, for Parents Weekend or Fraternity Parents Weekend, or, you know, we went down there for a football game, I think twice or three times because TCU has been pretty good at football. His his freshman year was the year that it came down to them or Baylor and then they both got screwed on the playoff and Ohio State got in. Um but anyway, um a friend of his uh the father of the friend of his was in town with the for the daughter who's living here and is going to grad school at GW. And my wife was helping um, them find a place for her. And so we ended up meeting for dinner. And he's a great guy. Um, And Chris is a massive Cowboys fan. You know, they're all from Dallas um but we you know over the four years every time we spent time with them and a lot of the other parents as well we had a great time so he was in town and all of us went out to dinner but it was a late dinner down in you know that union market area um like fifth street northeast we went to a pretty good restaurant we've been there before and uh it ended up being a late night that's all um
2: you see i mean how good of a guy can it be if he kept you out it's all hours of the night, well, knowing he, you have to get up to do a radio he show. He
1: didn't know. I don't talk about what time I get up and and, and the grind of, of getting up every morning at 4.15 or 4.30. Um, what if you were a doctor cares. and had, a,
2: had an operation uh, at 6 whatever. in the morning?
1: Well, I don't, do I? I'm not a doctor, and I don't have an operation. But let me just tell you why <laughs> I introduced this subject, because when we got home... The it the, the skies opened up, and it was pouring so hard that we, st- we, I, we don't have a garage. We have a garage in our home, but we don't use it for any of the vehicles, so we park in the driveway or in front of the house. We sat in the car, my wife and I did, for 20 minutes. We couldn't get out. It was coming down in buckets, and, and the lightning and thunder was loud. Now, there wasn't a lot of wind, but I wanted to get in because I had started to re- – I had recorded the Clippers. The Clippers are my favorite team and the only team I'm rooting for right now, like in, a, in, a, in an emotional way. I'd like the Nats to start playing well, and I'm glad they, they got the game in last night and beat Pittsburgh. And I'm glad – very glad the D.C. Grays won as well. Um, they didn't win. <laughs> oh, they didn't they, win. <laughs> they,
2: they played to a tie. They played to a that tie.
1: That Ah, tie's like a win. Um, unless it isn't like that, that Skins Bengals game in London that year, that felt like a loss. Um, but anyway, I had recorded the Clippers game and I was going to, uh, you know, get in, get into bed. And, you know, I love being able to fast forward through sporting events to watch him that way. No commercials, the whole thing. And, um, but we had to sit in the car for 20, 25 minutes. And then finally I'm like, this is bullshit. I'm going for it. You can, if I, and we didn't have an umbrella in the car. I said, I'll run up there. I can bring you an umbrella if you want. But we just said to hell with it. And we both jumped out and ran into the house. And I'm telling you, it was only uh, a a five to, to six second run, not even drenched. That's how hard it was raining. And then I got in Tommy and all of the emergency broadcasting stuff is coming through on the TV. For, for 30 minutes, the flash flood warnings. And I don't know, like if you're in your house, a tornado would be one thing to interrupt programming with the emergency broadcast system. Um, a you know major severe thunderstorm where there is wind and damaging winds, that would be one where you'd want to know if you're in your home. But if you're watching TV in your home, is it imperative that you know about flash floods?
2: Because okay, let me speak. Let me speak to this because I have particular knowledge of this. Okay. Back in 1990, uh, in Shady Side, Ohio, just across from uh, just across the Ohio River from uh, West Virginia, uh, there was a flash flood that people that happened within minutes. Of of the people of Shady Side realizing it was happening, thirty three people, hom- people died. In their homes. Thirty three people died. In their homes, or yes. When
1: they were outside in cars.
2: Uh, both, both. I mean, it was like it was like a it was like a tsunami, that just came crashing down the mountain onto this small town.
1: I knew and, I, I knew uh, my comment was going to be a stupid comment. I knew it when I made they it.
2: Had, <laughs> they had no notice. <laughs> And I went. I went up and wrote about it. I remember it was some. I remember uh, like it's a small town. They have a volunteer fire company. They had all the state police there, and they weren't letting us into the worst part of town where the worst damage was. But uh, me and another reporter paid a volunteer fireman like twenty bucks to take us in, in his pickup truck behind the, behind the place we weren't supposed to see, and I'll never forget seeing a horse. Buried in the mud, with its legs sticking up.
1: Wow! It says so, it says the Shady Side, Ohio floods June fourteenth. So yesterday was the forty-one wow. year uh, not forty-one um, was the um, thirty-one year anniversary of it. It said twenty-six died.
2: Twenty-six. Okay. It was it was a devastating, remarkable event for. Basically uh what was a flash flood. So I've always been in tune to those since then. Uh so uh I but you weren't in danger though, were you?
1: <laughs> I was I wasn't in danger, no. But no. I, but I am very aware You
2: sat in your car you sat in your car for twenty minutes. It what was, is it? It's just rain.
1: Okay, it's just it was buckets. It was buckets of rain. Um but I, I, I do a delicate flower. You are, I, I, do, well, eventually I was, I decided not to be delicate and, and just went for it because it's, can, well, here it is. You sit there and you're like, yeah, it's going to, you know, it's going to lighten up here in a little bit, but it never lightened up. You're waiting for it to just, you know, lighten up just a tad. And then, you know, you're not going to be drenched when you get to the house, but we, we finally had no choice and it was a drenching.
2: What, do you, what, what? what? What do you use the garage for? You you rent it out to people to, to live or something?
1: Yeah, yeah, we're making some we're making money off of, off renting. Well, the that's garage. good. I'm glad no, to hear it's, that. It's, it's um, it's more like you know all storage and you know snowblower and rakes and paint and I don't know what's in there. We, all the things we you use, right? We, we actually spent five hours three weekends ago and cleaned the whole thing out. And got it organized. Uh-huh. It's actually one of the things I like to do. Um, uh, but I do understand the danger of flash floods. D- don't mistake okay. me for being an idiot when it comes to flash floods. I understand when you see, you know, big, you know, p- p- you know ponding of water and how quickly creeks rise and overflow and rivers and the whole thing and how dangerous it can be in a car it's like you know turn around don't drown you know that 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 saying about flash floods but i'm telling you i also think that the emergency broadcast system when it comes to weather events interrupts programming much more now than it ever did and last night I couldn't even start watching the game for about twenty minutes because it was just constantly running, you know, and it was you know Montgomery County in my area, and then we were also getting the warnings for Prince William County, which is what an hour away from me.
2: Well, I'm sure that they do it more because they have the ability to do it more. I'll bet you they didn't have the ability to do well, it they
1: did ten, as much ten, five years, years ago, ago, ten years ago, twenty years ago, are you sure, yeah. Is yeah. it, or
2: is this another one of your flash floods diatribe?
1: No, and not only that, I was getting it on my phone. My phone's my uh, my alarm on my phone went off uh-huh. when the warning came through. Anyway, whatever. I hope I hope everybody was safe in okay. their home and in their cars last night.
2: Well, well. Let me let me shine some sunshine on everybody with this announcement. <laughs>
1: I thought about we already D. made D. the announcement. Grace. Oh, okay. No,
2: we didn't make the announcement. We had okay. to hear about your traumatic night of dinner and rain.
1: Okay. Well, after we found so, out that the, the baseball game ended in a tie.
2: On Sunday, mm-hmm. July 11th, from two to five p.m., there will be a benefit concert for the DC Grace, featuring the legendary band King Soul.
1: Oh, it's your favorite. And it will-
2: And it will be at Cordell, at Caddy's
1: on Cordell. Nice job. Well done. What's the date?
2: Sunday, July 11th, the week after 4th of July, from 2 to 5 p.m.
1: So you you got your favorite band, who, by the way, I think I remember this. I remember you going to Bethesda Cinema in draft to see them. Years ago.
2: But that's the blues and jazz. Yeah, but whatever.
1: Yeah. yeah. Whatever it was being called at the time. I'm no, was...
2: I've been following King Soul for probably about twelve, thirteen years.
1: No, I know that.
2: Uh yeah, they're a great band, a band that'll change your life as I describe them. Right. But they well. they're they're playing to raise money for the D C Grays, the non profit group that creates baseball opportunities for inner city kids in the district. And uh, it's it's going to be a, a great uh, day of music, lots of dancing. Uh, Caddies is going to be a great host. It's a great music venue. They have a lot of bands there now anyway. And uh, it's a twenty-five dollar ticket donation per person. We're going to have uh, the website set up soon. The DC Gray's website set up soon to accept. Uh, ticket request so we're
1: working on that you got right that now. done pretty quickly yes i did did you call caddies or did they call you
2: i reached out to them good i know i know somebody
1: Man, of course you do
2: i'm telling you i i could be an event planner i'm pretty good at it
1: i think you are too i'll tell you what when you put your mind to it you get it done yeah. Absolutely, but you've you've got to be really interested in it. If not, you know.
2: Well, that's like anything with me,
1: right? But I'm just saying that and, you and, could be a great we, event planner. But if somebody came to you with, "Hey, this is the event we want to do," and you weren't into it, I just don't know if you'd have the follow through. But um,
2: sort of like rain and garages, I'm not interested <laughs> in that either.
1: So, um, I wanted to I wanted to start with with this. Lewis Riddick yesterday said. That Washington should be the clear-cut favorite in the NFC East. Actually, he's not the first person that has said that. There are others that have been saying that. But there was a quote that I wanted to read from you. Uh, read for you, excuse me. He um he was a guest on the Greenberg Show. Uh, Get Up. That's the Greenberg Show, not uh, the Stephen A. Show. Is First Take and the Greenberg uh, Greenberg Show is Get Up. And he was a guest on Get Up. And, he said, and they did one of those who's going to win the NFC East you know, uh, segments. And Lewis Riddick, you know, the longtime ESPN analyst who also worked in the league, worked for the Redskins for uh, a few years uh, in their scouting department, in their you know, cap department, et cetera. Um, he said, quote, the team is for real. To me, they're the clear-cut favorites in the East. Clear-cut. It's not even a question. Um, You give them competent quarterback play, not even a superstar, just top 15 to 16. That's the big reason why. The truth is they got players all over the place. They got players at wide receiver. They got two good running backs. As long as the offensive tackles hold up on the offensive line, they're good to go. Defensively, they got some bad boys up front in that front seven. Now they've added some players on the back end, too. And then here's the last line from Lewis Riddick in discussing Washington in his mind's eye as the clear-cut favorite. Washington is for real. As much as people maybe don't want to admit that, Washington is for real. Closed quote. And when I read that very early this morning, I thought, you know, it's funny just to consider what people think of Washington these days as a football franchise. For years here we have had the people that have had their eyes wide open. I would put the two of us for the most part into that category. Um, And then you've got people who have been completely delusional, you know, a very small percentage of the fan base. They'll pay anything. They'll go to any event and they never think the organization is wrong. Um, There are some people, a lot of people who have just completely checked out on the opposite end. Um, But nationally, I don't, think sometimes that even our fan base locally understands how dismissive, condescending and laughable they are uh, or how laughable the organization is to, you know, all of the NFL analysts in the league. However, over the last year, 6 months anyway, winning the division playing in a playoff game drafting all the defensive stars that they've drafted and the players look like they're good they're they're starting to change their tune again. Washington is for real as much as people don't want to admit that. Um personally I think it's a little bit aggressive right now. They were 7 and 9 last year. They were 7 and 9 and I mentioned this this morning Tommy They were not the team that took the eventual champions to the brink. Okay, Green Bay had a goal-to-go situation and decided to kick a field goal and lost by five. The Saints were tied in the fourth quarter with Tampa Bay. So Washington, you know, they were competitive with Tampa. The final score was an eight-point margin. But I, I, I looked at my notes when I looked at them uh, like a week ago about Chase Young. One of the things I wrote down, they played a nice game, but I never thought for a moment they actually had a chance to win the game. That Saturday night in January against Tampa. Green Bay had a legitimate chance to win the game. The Saints had a legitimate chance to win the game. People have gotten a little bit carried away with Washington was the team that really pressed Tampa, the eventual champions. As if they were somehow close to winning this Super Bowl over Kansas City. I'll remind that great everybody.
2: Great defense gave up five hundred yards
1: in that game. And I'll remind everybody that Devin White, the best defensive player the rest of the postseason, didn't play against Washington. And was dominant against the Saints, Packers, and Chiefs. Anyway, I don't know where I'm going with this. It was twofold. One, it was just Riddick's got to say he's got to he's got to basically, you know, put a disclaimer on it by saying, "Hey, this is really hard. I understand. I understand this is a really hard thing to admit." But Washington, you know, the football team with Snyder, the the, the thing that we've been laughing at and been condescending towards for so long, they're actually for real.
2: Well, a couple of things did did uh, Lewis happen to mention. Uh, about how you know? Because he usually, typically, when he talked about the Washington franchise the last couple years, he talked about what a great quarterback prospect Dwayne Haskins was, and how he was continuously being screwed by the Washington organization. Did that come up at all?
1: It didn't. But that's a really good point. I forgot. I forgot about that. But you're a hundred percent right. Oh,
2: he was the biggest flag waver uh, of all those media for Dwayne Haskins. I haven't heard squats on him since uh you know, he wound up leaving and, and wound up with, with, with the Steelers. Uh so I take uh Lewis Riddick's uh, opinions with a grain of salt. I also think that I think there is some sentiment to uh to to open the door to consider the possibility that Washington may be good because there's a likability factor with Ron Rivera. I think that comes into play. I think I think there's 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 less expectation or less hatred of this organization nationally because there's because Rivera is so well liked and respected.
1: What's oh? So I
2: think that comes into play too.
1: Yeah,
0: I, I think a,
2: a driving think factor. But but here's the bottom line, like you said, uh, you know, uh, NFL.com power rankings. The Washington football team is 24th. You know, the Cowboys and the Giants are both ranked ahead of the the division-winning Washington football team. Hmm. The oddsmakers, what do the oddsmakers say about the Washington football team?
1: Yeah, I've got that ready to go next. I wanted to just say one thing um, about Riddick um, because it just reminded me of something that I did not address on the podcast yesterday, but I did. And I'm looking for the tweet, and I can't find it. First of all, you're right. Riddick was the biggest Haskins fan. Riddick um, absolutely blasted the organization when Haskins came off the bench in his first NFL appearance against the Giants in the first half of that game when, um, what's his face? Um, uh, Colt McCoy. No, it wasn't Colt McCoy. It was the other guy.
2: Wasn't McCoy who got hurt?
1: No, it was Case Keenum that got hurt. Wasn't it Case Keenum that got
2: hurt? I think by then,
1: McCoy got hurt. Uh, maybe you're right. Maybe McCoy McCoy got hurt or Keenum got hurt. In the Giants game? Yeah, I think it was Keenum. I think it was Keenum. Okay. Colt McCoy, remember, was hurt. Ahead. Colt McCoy was hurt, which is why he probably uh, didn't get okay. the start to begin with. And then in Jay's final game against the Patriots, that's when he started Colt McCoy. Yeah, it was Case Keenum, I'm pretty sure in that giant game, but Haskins blasted the organization. And I remember saying, uh, Riddick, Riddick blasted them. Yeah. Riddick blasted the organization for playing Haskins without giving him a full week to prepare or that he's not ready. And I'm just like, he was the backup quarterback. The starter got hurt. What are you talking about? Like, what did you want him to do? Did you want him to put Adrian Peterson at red quarterback? Like, I, I it just reminds me of how angry I was that day at that reaction. And by the way, he wasn't the only one that had it. It was like you put him in a position where you knew he would fail, and you put him in a position that that traumatized him. Remember, there was some word that it wasn't traumatized, but like you know, inflicted like career damaging. Um, it was a career damaging decision by Jay Gruden to play Haskins. And I was like, I, I think considering he was the only quarterback up for that game, if they had said, let's just put, you know, um, Trey Quinn, he was, I think he was like the, the emergency third string quarterback. Can you imagine if Keenum came off the field hurt and they put Trey Quinn into the game? Now that would have been a slap in Haskins face. Yeah, yeah, 100% and I, right. And I said I remember a very saying, stupid reaction. It was the most it was the dumbest reaction of all time. Now, if you um if you felt like Haskins should have just been inactive for the entire season and shouldn't have been put in that spot and they should have had another professional quarterback up, that's one thing, but that that wasn't what he said. He he said they put him into an impossible spot. And, and, and you know, and, but he was fine with him being the backup up until that point without starting. Anyway, um, when you said that also, it just reminded me of something that I responded to on the radio show yesterday or the day before. I, I got, I can't remember now why I even got this tweet, and I'm going to paraphrase it. I'm looking for it, and I can't find it. But basically, somebody said something about you were, Haskins was your boy, And you were dead wrong about him, so you're going to be dead wrong about Fitzpatrick. I think something like that. Whatever. Let me just make one thing clear to all of you that are listening and have issues with wax buildup. I was 100% for seeing Dwayne Haskins for 16 games last year. I was absolutely of the belief that i had seen enough in his rookie year where I wanted to see more. I thought last year was a complete throwaway season, that they weren't going to be good enough to compete for anything. They certainly weren't a Super Bowl contender. And I wanted to see whether or not this guy could do it last year so that they could move on from him if he couldn't do it, or they would have their guy if they could. I didn't want to see anybody else that wasn't a potential long-term answer. And I think at the time, you know, last year, we certainly weren't thinking of Kyle Allen, and we didn't think Alex Smith was going to play. Now, was I hearing some things about Haskins and his preparation and work ethic? I was, but I was also hearing things about him being, he's a smart guy, he, he's got the offense, he's a good kid, he's just immature. I wanted to see him. And I did think he had some talent. And by the way, I have not changed my mind on that. I still think he's got talent. Um, But to say that he was my boy and that I was completely sold on him is inaccurate. A typical exaggeration of something Tommy said or I said or Cooley said or somebody else on this podcast I was not sold on him, which is why I wanted to see him for 16 games because I did feel like if we saw him for 16, we were going to see some moments where it was going to be like, yeah, this guy might be able to do it. And I, wanted, I was hoping at that point, given that they, they took, a, took him in the first round, that he was going to be the guy. Now, bottom line is Dwayne Haskins does have talent, which is why Mike Tomlin signed him. The, the other part of the bottom line is he was a child. He behaved like a child, and that's why they had to move on from him. And if he continues to be immature and he's the, you know, the last one in, the first to leave, more interested in video games, more interested in fantasy stats, instead of learning how to be a professional, then this will be his last stop. But he's getting the opportunity because he does have some talent. Anyway, um, and- I,
2: I would back. I would back what you said. That's I, I pretty much. I mean, I mean, your position was, uh, if I could, you know, put it into some kind of synopsis, is that he wouldn't. You wouldn't have picked him, but since he was here, let's see what he can do.
1: I was dead set against picking him. I didn't think right. he, I didn't think he was going to be a good pro coming out, but after seeing him play um at times during his rookie year, I thought that there was some real ability and some real talent and I thought he was a bit of a gamer at times and I wanted to see more and then I was hopeful that he turned out to be the guy. But the the only thing I said that I that I was somewhat definitive on, I did say I think I saw enough at least, you know, in terms of his athletic ability and his physical ability to think that he's not going to be a bust. And I was dead wrong about that or I could be dead wrong about that. I'll admit that. I thought the bust potential was low and I thought that she, but but I certainly he wasn't my boy and I and I had not anointed him. I was hoping and I said I think his upside, you know, if he really is what we've seen him in his best moments, you know, he could be a starting quarterback in the NFL and maybe even approach, like, the top half of the league starting quarterback. But I didn't know. I was. J- I just wanted to see if that was possible. Anyway. Some of you get me so upset sometimes. The I act- know, they too. The actual- you know, you
2: take it to it by now
1: i am used i i'm totally used to it but certain things bug me when when uh, look you're the one that mutes and blocks people on twitter i've never muted or blocked anybody once i I don't give a shit about that but i i do i can't stand when on big issues like that there's this impression with a lot of people sheehan was all over haskins he like like i was lewis riddick like i thought he was going to be a superstar never said that never even came close to saying that now, b- by the way, back to your question about the odds. um Washington's not the favorite. Um, you should be happy about that if you agree with Lewis Riddick. You don't want to you, you want the longest odds possible if you think they're going to win the division. But in looking at my bookie right now, Dallas is plus 110 to win the division. Washington is plus 210. I need to do this Tommy cuz every time I do this I get 5 tweets from people saying can you please explain every time you talk about gambling outwards?
2: That's okay, go right ahead.
1: Dallas at plus 110 means if you bet $100 on the Cowboys to win the division, you'll win $110 if they win the division, you'll lose 100 if they don't. Betting on Washington plus 210 if you bet $100 on Washington to win the NFC East next year and they win the NFC East, you'll win $210. If they don't win the NFC East, you'll lose 100. So that's how that works. Um, the Giants are the third pick at +350 and the Eagles are the fourth pick at +450. Plus +450. 450, plus 450. I mentioned this a few weeks ago that the NFC East is the tightest of races when it comes to odds. When it comes to the future divisional odds, um, you know, as an example, like the Eagles are plus four fifty to finish dead last in the division. The Lions are plus sixteen hundred, so they're a massive long shot to win the division. The Falcons are plus seven hundred. I'm sorry, the the Panthers are plus seven hundred. You know, so the difference between the favorite and the team picked to finish fourth is the tightest margin. Of any of the divisions, so Vegas, the odds makers are expecting a very competitive division again. They like Dallas as a slight favorite over Washington. Washington is a slight favorite over the Giants for second, and the Giants is a slight favorite over the Eagles for third is a ben- is essentially the way they see it. Uh, I did the following with Brendan, my producer on the show this morning. I think if you look at offense, defense, coaching staff, all right, offensively the Cowboys have the best offense in the division. I don't really think it's debatable either. I think they've got the most known at quarterback as long as he's healthy and, by the way, the best quarterback if he's healthy in Dak Prescott. You may not think he's elite. You may not think he's great. He's at the very least a good quarterback, and Ryan Fitzpatrick, as much as I'm intrigued and I'm excited about what they might be compared to what they've been at quarterback, uh, Dak Prescott's better. They also have the best receiving core with Cooper and C.D. Lamb and Gallup. And then they've got, you know, if not the best running back in the division, one of the two best with Saquon Barkley being the other one, Zeke Elliott. They've got the best offense. I do think Washington has the second-best offense in the NFC East. I think it's close because the Giants have some weapons that they added. They added Kenny Galladay. Um, they've got Saquon Barkley coming back. You know The issue with them, of course, is Daniel Jones. Washington added some pieces offensively um, to, uh, to, to, to help out Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel. They drafted Deami Brown. And I think we all are kind of excited about Antonio Gibson in year two. I think they're the second-best offense, and I think the Giants are close and Philly's dead last. Defensively, Tommy, there's no question Washington on paper has the best defense in the division. Yes, I would agree. And um, But let me just mention, I think the Giants defensively are a good football team. I think they have a chance to be a really good football team. I think they were coached well last year. Um, and they added a Dory Jackson to a team that added, remember last year James Bradbury and Blake Martinez and a team that's already got Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence. I, you know, and, and Jabril Peppers in the bat and in uh, at safety. I think the Giants have a chance to be pretty good defensively, and the Eagles are pretty good defensively too. They still may have unless we think it's Chase Young now, but Fletcher Cox until Chase Young, you know, legitimately earns that mantle, Fletcher Cox is still the best defensive player in the division. We just don't know anything about the Philadelphia coaching staff. La- right. So, I think... or
2: really, their, quarter- their, their quarterback situation.
1: Yeah, Philadelphia offensively has, you know, a quarterback situation. That's why I had them dead last offensively. Um, the Cowboys I have is the worst defense. Now, they're going to be better because they've got a better coordinator in Dan Quinn. So they're going to be a better defense, but I think they're still the worst defense in the division. So like, if you take offense, defense, and then let's add coaching staff to this. Right now, Tommy, Ron Rivera and his staff, Mike McCarthy and his staff, Joe Judge in New York and his staff, or the new guy Nick Sirianni in Philadelphia. Is there any question that Ron Rivera is the best coach in the division?
2: Excuse me. How many Super Bowl ranks does Rivera have as a coach?
1: He doesn't have any.
2: How many does Mike McCarthy have?
1: He has one.
2: So what are you talking about?
1: I'm talking about Ron Rivera and his staff are better than Mike McCarthy and their staff. I think Rivera is a better coach.
2: Okay. Based on what?
1: Based on getting to a Super Bowl without Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Mike McCarthy had Aaron Rodgers. I don't know if you knew, you knew that. makes a difference. I know
2: that, but you don't penalize a coach. At least smart people don't penalize a coach for winning with talent.
1: No, but smart people do take into consideration what kind of talent they had and then what they did with it overall because he only won one Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers as his quarterback, and he only got to one Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers as his quarterback. Smart people would say maybe he underachieved with that quarterback and that talent. I would.
2: But you see, that would be a guess. If you're dealing with facts, one is a Super Bowl-winning coach, the other isn't.
1: Well, by that logic, Trent Dilfer is a Super Bowl-winning quarterback and Sonny Jurgensen isn't. So would you take Trent Dilfer over Sonny Jurgensen?
2: No, I wouldn't, but I oh, think the okay. head coach is different than a quarterback.
1: It is? Okay.
2: Yeah. I just think it's a big leap to automatically say that Ron Rivera is the best coach in the in, in, in division. That's a big
1: leap. I think the combination of Rivera, Del Rio, Scott Turner is the best mix in the division. We don't know anything about Philadelphia. I do have a feeling about Joe Judge that there's something there with him. Dallas has McCarthy, Kellen Moore, and now Dan Quinn. That's going to be a big difference maker, I think, for Dallas's defense because Nolan was terrible, and Quinn, maybe he wasn't a great head coach, although he did coach a team to a Super Bowl um, but uh, and, and had you know a, a massive lead in that Super Bowl. But I think Quinn's a really good defensive coordinator. And I actually think Dallas has more talent than people think on defense. But if you're asking me, who would I take right now, staff wise? I would take the Rivera staff, definitely. I don't. I I'm not a fan of Mike McCarthy at all. Um, I I think that you know, so what? That he's got a Super Bowl win means nothing to me. He had Aaron Rodgers. That's Aaron, right. He he was on Aaron Rodgers' coattails. Oh, that's it. Okay. Yeah, it is it. Okay. No doubt, it is. Okay. It. I mean,
2: you have no. You have nothing to back that up. Um. Yeah, I do. He hasn't been Aaron Rodgers hasn't been to a Super Bowl since Mike McCarthy left.
1: Mike McCarthy, would you say say that again? I'm sorry.
2: Aaron Rodgers hasn't been to the Super Bowl in two attempts since Mike McCarthy left.
1: <laughs> right, that's true. That is true.
2: So, so maybe it was Aaron Rodgers, could be who was riding on Mike McCarthy's coattails.
1: It could be back to back close NFC Championship losses. Actually, not close to San Francisco. They got blown out, so he did get further. That's
2: okay. If you want to say it was close, go right ahead. No, it,
1: it, it, he got he got for let's see, um, th- four four NFC Championship games for McCarthy. Okay, four. Yeah, he had four of them as a head coach in Green Bay, and one of them was with, with Brett Favre. So with Aaron Rodgers, well, he's just a clip, just a clipboard holder. I don't. I'm not. A, can you say? I'm not a fan of Mike McCarthy? Okay, I understand
2: that. But, would you, to, but to say would you he's take, better than Ron. The same, Rivera is better than him. Yeah, it's it's a huge leap with nothing to back it up.
1: Okay, would you take Marty Schottenheimer as a head coach or Doug Peterson right now, or Barry Switzer? That's a better one. Uh, George Allen, um, Marty Schottenheimer, Barry Switzer. By your logic, you Barry Switzer is the better coach because he won a Super Bowl.
2: How many NFC Championship games did Barry Switzer
1: go to? Uh, he went to one, one or two, two, okay. two. They lost the year uh-huh. before to the Forty ers okay. But uh, who cares? He won the it's Super Bowl. It's not. It's not. B- it's, not it, it's, it's not. It's
2: It's a ridiculous comparison. You're, <laughs> you're flailing here. In the what are you water. talking about, Rivera? You're Rivera's... looking for a piece of driftwood uh. to hang on to. I understand that.
1: Well, because it was very heavy rain last night. I'm getting ready to be washed away. Um, Would you take George Allen, one of the legendary Hall of Fame coaches, or Don McCafferty? Come on. Listen, uh, uh, during a regular season, to win a playoff
2: game, i take Don McCafferty because George Allen was a terrible playoff coach.
1: (laughs) You know, here's brutal. here's actually, um, in all seriousness, there are a lot of coaches that didn't win Super Bowls that are better than a lot of coaches that won multiple Super Bowls. Is Tom, did, by the way, is Tom Flores now in the Hall of Fame? Did he just yes, get he into is. the Hall of Fame? He was just elected. Yeah. So He'll be inducted, I think. This summer? This summer. Okay. I
2: believe so. Okay. Um... Well, Jim Plunkett, a quarterback, I might want to point out. Uh, Not the best quarterback in in the NFL by any stretch.
1: No, but but talented teams. Very talented teams. I'm trying to think of, like, on the list of the best coaches to never win a Super Bowl. I mentioned Marty, and I mentioned George Allen. Uh, What's his face in Buffalo? Marv Levy lost four of them. Bud Grant lost three of them. Did Bud Grant lose three Super I'm Bowls? Sure. Something like that, right? He was he was a good coach. Bud Grant was a hell of a coach. Um.
2: Yeah, but 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 he went to three Super Bowls.
1: Yeah. Well, Ron Rivera went to one too.
2: Yeah, I know.
1: Yeah, same number that Mike McCarthy went to. Mike McCarthy just happened to, to have won his. All right. Uh, let's do something else right after this word from a few of our sponsors.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Tommy, you remember Mark Murphy, um, Super Bowl I, champion. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, for the Washington football team, I... I spoke to
2: him at length for my book, Hail Victory, An Oral History of the Team, that you can find on Amazon.com. He was one of the great interviews. Well, a Very smart guy. I think, he, I think he's got a law degree. He went to Colgate, and I think he has a law degree.
1: Yeah, he does have a law degree. Um, he's a Super Bowl-winning safety. Ken Houston wasn't. I'd probably um, take Murphy over Ken Houston. He won the Super Bowl, and Houston didn't. Um, Mark Murphy is maybe a smart guy, and I don't doubt that at all. Um, He's a mess right now, and he's doing some dumb shit. Uh, Last week was when he um, was addressing fans online in some Q&A and said about the Aaron Rodgers situation, this situation is dividing the fan base. Um, By the way, it was just a few days prior to that that he – that he declared that this was not going to be something that was discussed and, you know, negotiated or even legislated through media. You know, you weren't going to be hearing from them talking about this. And then a few days later, he said that this issue was dividing the fan base. And then over the weekend at an event uh, at Lambeau Field, I think it was, um, he was asked about it again, and he said that – that that Ted Thompson, the former Green Bay general manager who passed away, I think, in the last year, um, he said uh, that Ted would say sometimes about Aaron Rodgers that he's a complicated fella, uh, you know, and essentially said that, you know, that he agreed with it. I am mean, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. Most of you know, you know, what Murphy said at this point as well. Um, I forget if I did this on the podcast yesterday. I just think that he needs to shut up. Like I, I don't. I I, every single time he opens his mouth about this, um, he is uh, playing into um, the side that that looks stupid, that looks um, childish, that looks insecure. Um, Aaron Rodgers, as as Jason Lockenfora wrote in this column uh, this morning, uh, titled "Aaron Rodgers Packers Showdown: Green Bay's Poor Taste in Petty Ways." Are proving hard to watch. And Mark Murphy is the head of the petty ways um, and the poor taste. And he wrote this morning, um, you know, maybe next time when he's riffing for the media, Murphy can quote Lindy Infante because that's the type of winning percentage this team will have without Rodgers. It may be all fun and games. It, Lindy Infante, for those of you who don't know, was basically the coach before the, the Packers have had their run of Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, back-to-back Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Um, who might
2: he have been the coach for before? I'm sorry? Who, who might have succeeded him? I'm not sure.
1: Uh, Holmgren. Mike Holmgren. Okay. Okay. Right? Okay. Yeah, Holmgren. Yeah, I think did. Holmgren yeah. is where they had you know all the success. Went right, to back to back Super Bowls with Favre. Won one of them. If you, oh, you were hoping. I see what you're doing. You were hoping, but this is where you know you're you're not you know you just don't know enough. Um, you were hoping that somehow Mike McCarthy replaced Lindy Infante.
2: I don't even. No, know. I was hoping that you were going to say that.
1: No, I I um I don't even know if 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 Holmgren replaced Infante. Infante, he might have, though. Hold on, let me just see. Um, yes, he did. He replaced Lindy Infante, who, by the way, had a 24-40 and 40 record and never, and never went to the playoffs. Anyway, um, so he he wrote, he's, he, Lock and Forrest said, it's all fun and games at OTAs. It's easy to get caught up in the sound of your own voice, Mark Murphy, when you're still months away from being exposed in the standings each week. But the way he's playing it, that's where it's headed. Rodgers is not one to be trifled with. Childish rhetoric isn't going to make this situation any better. Rodgers can can say more with a stare and a smirk than Murphy could in a thousand word blog post. And his silence, meaning Rodgers silence, in absence, speaks volumes and already has the Packers brass stammering and looking like their own worst enemies. And we haven't even really gotten started yet. this is insane what Mark Murphy's doing. It's terrible judgment to, to publicly, even if you think you're being you know, subtle, it's obvious, it's very transparent. You're taking shots at Aaron Rodgers. And without Aaron Rodgers, your team is going to suck. And for the last 12 or 13 years as the president and CEO, you've been able to ride his coattails – Do you have any idea what it's like not to have a Hall of Fame quarterback? I mean, most organizations don't even get one, let alone back-to-back, covering a span of basically like 27 years. The span that the Packers have had back-to-back Hall of Fame quarterbacks is essentially the span in which Washington has sucked because they've had about 85 quarterbacks that they've tried to trot out there. I'm really, no, you, I'm surprised at Murphy. It's surprising to me
2: because Mark Murphy was uh, a player rep when he was in Washington, a very strong union member, right? very strong member of the Players Association. So you would think he'd have a much better view of the player's viewpoint in something like this instead of taking this arrogant management type of attitude at this point it's a bit it's surprising for me uh having talked to him and and uh, you know I mean, he must have forgotten his days as a player when when Jack Kent Cook walked up to him uh when he was uh working out uh at practice once after the after the football strike and basically told him he'll never play another down for Washington again yeah he must have forgotten those days
1: it's um I'm looking for... There's another good paragraph in Lock and Forrest's story about this. Here it is. He, basically, some people are suggesting that Murphy's taken this tact because he's trying to get Aaron Rodgers to retire. And that if Aaron Rodgers retires, then they get money back and they their cap, you know, is protected, etc. And so... Lock and Forer writes, and to those who believe Murphy is playing 3D chess here, trying to alienate Rodgers to retire so the Packers can keep all their money and protect their cap. Please, stop it. You are giving them entirely too much credit and missing the point. Without Rodgers, they are a six-win team at best. They will stink without him, just like they stunk horribly the last time he missed extended time due to injury. And that in the end, that's what fans care about. Not any lame soundbite from June. Don't let hyperbole about Jordan Love completing passes against air at OTAs fool you into thinking this regime has any intention of letting him see the field this year. If they thought the kid was anywhere close to being ready, they would have dealt Rodgers before the draft, or certainly by now. If they thought they had any chance to compete in 2021 without Rodgers, they'd have dealt him to get assets into camp who could in fact help them win this year. If Murphy's big old grin when creating another ridiculous news cycle was sincere and not more PR nonsense trying to win a battle for hearts and mind, then he'd have then he'd have shipped Rodgers out and been done with this affair already. If you think Murphy really has the steel stomach his quarterback possesses, you're misguided. If you think Murphy's going to be able to cajole or coerce Rodgers to retire for good, you're giving him too much credit. Let's see how much Murphy has to say to the media when his team's 1-4 and while Rodgers is enjoying life in California. Let's see how that plays out in Wisconsin. I can't wait to read Murphy's monthly column on the team's website come October if Rodgers is sitting out. Um yeah, this is this was dumb a year ago not to let them know that they were going to trade up in the draft to replace his future replacement. It was dumb. Um and what Murphy's done the last 2 weeks is Inexplicable if the goal is to somehow have Aaron Rodgers be your quarterback, and it just makes me believe, Tommy, that sometimes these organizations that haven't been in the situation most organizations have been in, meaning never having or having had a, a long time pass between the last elite quarterback and whatever that whenever the next one is, they just don't know what it's like. You know, like every that year, may be. They,
2: that may be. They may adopt the attitude. How hard can it be? We've been doing it for 30
1: years. That would be mind-boggling. Like, they have had a chance every single year since Favre became good. They have been one of the picks in the NFC to get to the Super Bowl. Pretty much every single year. I mean, maybe, you know, Rodgers' first year when we weren't sure if he was going to be the guy or not, you know, but... For the most part, for the better part of like 28, 29 years, Green Bay has been a legitimate deep into the postseason contender because they've had Hall of Fame quarterbacking. And Mark Murphy's acting like he doesn't need it. And by the way, he is a complicated fella. He, 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 he's a strange, he cut his family off for crying out loud. He's got no relationship with his family. We've heard stories about how complicated he is. So why would you make it more complicated by calling him out in the media? I by the way, if this does lead to him just basically saying, No, you don't understand. F you, I'm never playing for you again. You trade me, or I am just gonna I'm gonna hold out and sit out, and you can look stupid at when you're two and seven.
2: Okay. Uh, as an aside, uh, just just to entertain me here. So, I mean, if trading is still a possibility, Washington is is an interested in trading for him, right?
1: I mean, I think they should be. Okay. You know my position on that. I think they. I'll be very disappointed if they're not. You feel the same way? If you're asking me, do yes. I think they would be in on it? Um. I don't know. I mean, they were obviously in on Stafford. They obviously made it very clear in this offseason, much to the dismay of so many fans who think Taylor Heineke is going to become, you know, the next Drew Brees. Um, they were very intent on finding a starting quarterback, you know, whether it was a longer-term guy like Stafford or a shorter-term guy, as it ultimately turned out, with Fitzpatrick. I, I've said it a million times. If he's available – and like you're you're you could actually be in play. I would do it, I would be massively aggressive in doing it, and then I would take the next I, I'd want to know that he's all in and then and that he'll he'll sign a contract extension and then for the next three years minimum, Washington is a legitimate Super Bowl contender for the first time since nineteen ninety
2: one. You're right. You're right
1: but apparently a lot of people don't agree with me. A lot of people want to Tommy in air quotes build it the right way.
2: The right way, <laughs> absolutely.
1: Yeah. Uh-huh.
2: That's so much more rewarding that way.
1: I guess. All right, we got a couple of other things to finish up the show with. Uh we'll do that right after this word from a few of our sponsors. Uh, I did eventually get to the uh, Clippers-Jazz game. Um, Very much into uh, the Clippers and Kawhi Leonard's run. He was very good last night. I actually didn't think he played his best game. His numbers were great. He had a dunk, Tommy. Have you seen the dunk that he had over Derek Favors? No. Well, it it went viral last night. It was by far and away the best dunk of the postseason. Um, They destroyed Utah last night. They were very good defensively. I love this series. I think it's a really intriguing series. It goes back to Utah, um, Atlanta. You know, uh, overcame an 18-point deficit. Uh, deficit beat Philly. Tonight is a really interesting game. Brooklyn, without James Harden and without Kyrie Irving, will play the Bucks in a 2-2 game five at home. Milwaukee is a four and a half point favorite on the road tonight in game five. Um, The first two games in Brooklyn, they were destroyed. But clearly the odds makers believe what I believe, which is Kevin Durant is a great player. He's a top two or three player, okay? I'm not going to debate that. Kevin Durant, unlike the other great players, is not a great facilitator. He's not great when he's the only guy on the floor that can really do it. LeBron is... You know, I don't love LeBron, but he's a great facilitator. The Some of the big guys, like Jokic is, even Embiid is to a certain degree. Kevin Durant got roughed up, and he looked uncomfortable in game four. And I don't think they're going to win tonight without Harden and Kyrie. I think they need one of the two. So that durant can be the sniper that he is that he can be the guy that you know um, is is asked to score forty tonight um, but isn 't asked also when the double teams are coming at him to make the right pass or to set it up and if he if he does make the right play he 's got to get help from his teammates it 's an odd series, very odd series, but injuries are going to tell the tale here. If Brooklyn doesn't get one of those two guys back, I don't think they beat Milwaukee, and I'm not a big fan of Milwaukee um, uh, in these playoffs uh, either. But um, fascinating game tonight, and a fascinating point spread. You know, Brooklyn was, you know, with with Kyrie healthy tonight, Brooklyn would be every bit of like a five or six point favorite, maybe more. Without Kyrie Irving, they're a four and a half point underdog. That's the difference. One player. Um, can make, um, even though Kevin Durant is still on the floor. Anyway. Did you
2: see, uh, you mentioned briefly, the uh, Stephen A. Smith show. Uh, what's it called? On ESPN? First, first
1: first Take is the show. First Take. Yeah, I think. Did yeah. you
2: see he said the other day that Donovan Mitchell is the greatest player in Jazz franchise history?
1: I did. I did catch something about that. Yeah, did he say the second best behind Carl Malone, no. or he said, he said the best? The
2: best. Yeah.
1: Um, well, that's ridiculous. Now, could he be Isn't down it? the road? Yeah, he could be. He's that good. He is I know a he's special good. player. Is he now? No, he's not yet. No. Carl Malone is. He, is.
2: is he? Is he? Is he a bigger player in that franchise than John Stockton? Not yet. No.
1: But, Tommy, he is going to be an all-time – he is something else. Like, he is fast becoming in that discussion of a top-five player in the league. You know, and there have just do you been...
2: realize? Do you realize that the Stockton-Malone era happened, came and went? And now you're in the Donovan Mitchell era in Utah – Okay. Yeah. And in between there, there was pretty much, they, they were competitive sometimes, but nothing. And, and the Wizards exist in a vacuum during all this. I, again, I mean, this just this, this amazed me what's happened in Phoenix.
1: Oh, I had, I da- mean, and, I had and, David Aldridge on the show yesterday. We talked about that on the podcast. It's really so unique. 1963, two years ago, they do not yeah. have an obvious. Super, superstar. think although Devin Booker is approaching that, that category. And they're in the Western Conference Finals. They could win the whole thing. Chris Paul's been so good. That's the uniqueness they, of it. Supposedly,
2: I've read they have a great GM.
1: James Jones.
2: GM gets a lot of credit for it, yeah.
1: Yeah, he's that shooter that LeBron always wanted in Cleveland and in Miami. You know he that's right how many uh James Jones probably has almost as many t- titles as LeBron has I mean but again, I mean three time NBA champion I James mean, Jones you know just 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 i mean errors
2: have come and gone, and new errors have started up uh and then there's the wizards I know forty years
1: <laughs> I know
2: it's pretty stunning.
1: Um, the, tell-
2: Phoenix rise, the Phoenix Rise has the Phoenix Rise has just woke me up again to that idea that 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 the Suns could all of a sudden just turn it around, just like that. It can't all be luck, can it?
1: You know, they had a number one pick in the draft, and they drafted DeAndre Ayton, who is really, really good and is just going to keep getting better, and is a big man. Devin Booker was the 13th pick in the draft. I think he was like 13th, something like that. He is a superstar. By the way, Booker or, or, or Beal, I asked Aldridge yesterday, and he said he'd take Beal. I'd take Booker. Um, I'd take Booker, too, And
2: limited amount I've seen him.
1: And then really the big difference maker is they got Chris Paul, and it just fit you know Paul they needed a point guard they needed the IQ they needed the experience they needed the leadership and you know Ayton Booker and Paul and then you add Crowder who's you know done it in Boston and is a tough guy and Bridges the kid from Villanova has really turned into a really good player and he was a top 10 pick so it's it's drafting well You know, Booker, I want to just check to see if I was right about that. 13th pick 2015, okay? Um, Aiton was the number one overall pick. Bridges, I think, was a top 10 pick. Number 10 in 2018. Um, And then they traded for Crowder. Um, So it's three very high, you know, top. It's three lottery picks. And... And a veteran point guard who's playing as well as he's played in his entire career right now at thirty-six years old.
2: Right. Right. Well, Washington isn't gonna have the opportunity to do that unless they trade Bradley Beal.
1: By the way, Tommy, a really good coach too in Monty Williams. Really, really good coach. Um Yeah. I, I, I yeah, no, this team is not anywhere like you you have a level of basketball IQ in watching the Suns that is like the Wizards wouldn't even be – they'd be sent down to the remedial class. Now, this class isn't for you guys. You're down the hall. You're down the hall with, with, you know, Mrs. Smith. She's waiting for you. And, and, be, and be careful, please, as you're walking down the hall. Sounds like you've got some experience with those classes. <laughs> uh. <laughs> no, I don't, but um, uh, that is, that's is—that's what they are. That's compared to the Suns. All right, what is this sticky baseball uh, thing?
2: Well, it's a big deal, and I should be more interested in it uh, because, I mean, you know, the media, baseball media is equating it to basically the steroid uh, controversy in that pitchers, particularly the last couple of years, have been using more and more sticky substances, you know, rosin, hair gel. There's some kind of stuff called spider tack I think you can buy somewhere to make the ball spin more. And spin rates have oh. been going up and up and up. Right. Uh, and, uh, you know, baseball hitting has is, is been pathetically down. I mean, the, average, the, the baseball average is 236 right now. Throughout Major League Baseball, that's like below Dave Kingman's career batting average. So I mean, so the, the the owners are going to do something about it. They've instituted some new rules that I think were just passed that basically allows balls to be examined a lot more. And if you're caught, I think first first offense is like a ten day suspension or something like that. They're really going to cra- first time offenders get a ten game suspension. Repeat offenders will get longer suspensions, and it's starting as of basically June 21st. And there's some, and and Max Scherzer is a little bit worried about it because there've been some reports that he's one of the offenders of this.
1: Hmm. Well, it sounds like based on yeah. the batting averages and the increased spin rate, he's not the only one. The increased well, spin rate? Well, no, rates.
2: there's a lot. Apparently, it's rampant. Apparently, throughout baseball, and it'll be interesting to see the reaction to it, you know, Scherzer tried to defend it, and this is the defense, that if you have pitchers, you know, losing control of the ball, you're going to have more batters getting hit in the head with the ball. Ugh. So basically they're trying to couch it as a safety issue.
1: Well, that's the a good – The pitchers that's don't a, have control of the that's ball. A, that's a good comeback. Yeah. Wh- what is – So um, it'll
2: be interesting. Baseball's going to be worth watching – uh See what happens in the next couple of weeks. This is going to wind up being a big deal.
1: What is spider? Particularly here What, in Washington what is, what is sp- sir- So you, you've explained that whatever these foreign substances are, they're increasing spin rates, which I, I am definitely familiar with as, you know, almost everybody and their brother has become a spin rate expert. I, like I was, I was listening. I can't even tell you which show it was. It was local. And <clears throat> I think um, – a player, a, a Nats player was on, and I can't remember which player it was. And the host was deep, deep into spin rates. <laughs> and I just, I, yeah. I, I, I wonder if you don't play the game, if you haven't played the game, if you can really even understand um, what it is. But what is Spider Tack? Is it something, is it like a rosin? Like rosin bags were always legal. Will they still be legal? Well, I,
2: th- I think rosin bags will still be legal uh, off the mound to dry your hand. Uh, okay, according to the San Francisco Chronicle, spider tack is a rosin-based chemical mixture that was developed for power lifters to keep a tighter hold on Atlas stones when hoisting these globe-like mini-boulders, some up to 350 pounds in strongman competitions. According to the SpiderTac website, the original strength is called competition grade, which works in cold and warm weather. It's sold on Amazon, 2.5 ounces for $20 plus shipping. Pitchers use SpiderTac. Uh, it can accelerate the spin rate of pitchers. The faster to spin, the more breaking pitches move, and the more velocity pitchers get on their fastball. Got There's it. your lesson.
1: Okay. Well, thank you for that. Um, it's nice to see Kyle Schwarber getting hot, four homers in the last three games, hitting lead off.
2: Yeah, and this team, this team is still fighting enough to not not to drown. You know, they they keep they keep like you, they keep finding pieces of driftwood to hang on to.
1: Yeah, well, or they could just stay in the car next time. Um, I did want to mention real quickly because I don't think I've talked about it on the podcast, um, the uh, the possibility um, that college football will move to a 12-team playoff soon. It won't be this year. It won't be next year. I think it will be in 2023. will be the first year. I love it. Like, over the years, you know, with Tommy, with Cooley, whatever, I've done almost every year I've done what, what I would have done what I think would make college football even more popular and that is to expand this four team playoff I've had 12 teams which is what they're looking at um, ideas before eight teams but the 12 team is essentially um, taking six automatics like your your um, the, the 12 the team playoff would include um, six automatics and then six like at larges for the lack of a better description in the same way that college basketball has a committee that determines not only the at-large bids but then seeds the field and so you would have a committee and you'd have the six conference champions um, and then you would have um, or you'd have your top six conference champions and then you would have six at-large bids. Now the way they're structuring it is that You would have the top four teams, which in a 12-team format, the top four teams would have a first-round bye, and seeds 5 through 12 would play an opening round on home fields. That's always been the thing that I think would make it so special. Um, And so the first weekend of the postseason, you'd have, you know, five versus 12, six versus 11, seven versus 10, eight versus nine with the higher seeded teams playing on their home fields in a quadruple header the second weekend in December. And then you would start using the bowls for the quarterfinal games. That would be the only change I would make to this. I would use the second round, the quarterfinal round with home fields as well. And the reason is the top four teams get buys, but they don't get a chance to play at home. And in many cases, those are some of the best home environments. So I think the sport and the sports venues are so important to the sport. The stadiums, the the atmospheres, the environments. And if you had back to back weekends of four straight games, you know, first one kicks off at eleven thirty, next one's at three, next one's at six six thirty, and the next one's at nine forty five. A quadruple Saturday, December uh, of quarterfinal games um, with home fields. I think it would become one of the top five or six days on the sports calendar without question. And then you can use the bowl games for the semifinals on January 1st and play your national championship game 11 days later on a Monday night. Um, I love I'm it, though. I'm all for it. Yeah. I, I think it's I already gotten it, I old. I love it, too. I think the four-teamer has already gotten old because yeah. it's Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, and you know somebody else yeah. pretty much every year. So
2: Yeah, no, I'm all in favor of it. Uh, before we leave, I just wanted to mention people can find my column in the Washington Times. Uh, you go to WashingtonTimes.com uh, slash sports and you'll find my column it's about the olympics and uh it's it's a, it's a familiar refrain but one that i think is still timely given the fact that the ioc is holding the country of japan hostage and they just awarded the 2032 games to brisbane in australia that the olympics is one big
1: scam it's a disease in itself you've written this column so many times over the years i know but 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 now We've never had a country held hostage
2: like right now the IOC is doing with Japan. Do you know the sponsors want to cancel the games?
1: Really? It's that bad.
2: Yes. When when the businesses that that have backed it want to cancel the games and the IOC basically saying, We're going ahead, you know, basically you know, it's it's like that scene in uh, in a Bronx Tale where Chad Palminteri tells the bikers they can leave the bar, and they don't leave. And then he locks the door and says, now you you can't leave. leave.
1: Now you You can't leave. You signed on for this. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So uh, I felt it was important and timely to write it with what's going on in in Japan right now. Uh, So you can read that in the Washington Times. And just another reminder, uh, the uh, announcement about the D.C. Grays fundraising concert, July 11th, at Caddy's on Cordell featuring King Soul. Uh, There'll be more details about how to purchase tickets. I'll be there. I'm sure you'll be able to see Kevin and the missus there doing some dancing. Yeah. Some King Soul.
1: Hopefully we will. uh, The only issue I have with the 11th, which is why I didn't respond, that I would be there. If I'm here, I'm definitely going to be there, but there's a chance I will be away. So... If I'm weighed it's we'll going to be, be hard crushed. to come back. But if I'm here, I'm definitely going to go. Um, okay. I also, read Tommy's column. You know, I, 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 you can get it. You know, on his Twitter page. I tweet out all his columns as well, so you can get it at Kevin Sheehan DC as well. <laughs> and uh, so, either way, you can read Tommy's column that way. All right. What be else? Well, I've already tweeted it out, but I'll tell you one thing: this this Olympics are bad for everybody, including the city. This is a this is a repeat. This is a column on repeat for you every four well, years. The Olympics they don't they don't go away. No, apparently you know? not. They're a little bit late though this year. Yeah. All right, um, we didn't get a chance to talk soccer, and I know you're disappointed about that. Uh, maybe some of that. On Thursday, uh, I maybe will be. Maybe that could be a premium podcast for you. Maybe. Uh, you know what? There would be an audience for it if I knew what I was talking about, and I don't. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow. Have a great day, everybody.